six 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 one year later purple still reigns in minnesota only want to see in the purple The Twin Cities is bathed in purple to honor Prince from the 35W Bridge to U.S. Bank Stadium to Target Field. Landmarks honor a man who put Minnesota music on the map. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Six Degrees of Retro here on GRR, the Greg Reifstek Radio Network. I am, of course, your host, Greg Reifstek. And this episode of Six Degrees of Retro will not be the game show edition. We are doing a special edition covering the event, the Print Celebration 2017 that I attended along with my partner, uh, Jesse Haskell. And we uh, were at Paisley Park here in lovely Chenasson, Minneapolis, just outside of the Twin Cities at Prince's House, Paisley Park. And I wanted to do the intro for this episode after everything had happened because everybody going into this event was in a somber mood. We didn't know what to expect. It was like you were attending a uh, funeral for your best friend that you had since you were a teenager, since you first heard, uh, in my case, first heard the notes of DMSR at a friend's party and went, wow, this guy is amazing. I need to know more about him. And then when Purple Rain broke on the scene, of course, he became a world phenomenon. Uh, so yeah, going into this event, I don't think anybody knew how to act. So got on a flight, uneventful, wonderful flight, got here. It was a torrential downpour <laughs> that, uh, I had to drive into pick up my credentials at the, uh, Hilton here in Minneapolis and then drive out to Eden Prairie in whiteout rain which uh, just added to the somber tone I had. But I going into this, I was determined. I said, look, they're calling this a celebration for a reason. And uh, we've all been keeping a lot of them in, bottled up inside. And I said, I'm going to let my emotions finally go since I'm around like-minded, like-feeling uh, people that all understand Prince and understand his message that he put out there that uh, was very similar to uh, another person I lost last year, David Bowie. And that was being a freak is all right. And being a freak is what makes you who you are and what makes you special to the world. That leads very well into the intro. We finally got to Paisley Park. We uh, parked at an off-site parking lot because the parking at Paisley Park, once we arrived, we could see is extremely limited. It was a business. It was not uh, made for... It it was the soundstage area was designed for events, but you had to bus people in. So we hopped on the bus. We pull up to Paisley Park. We have to get rid of our cell phones. Radio silence out of 
Paisley Park, when people recorded there, nobody was allowed to have their cell phones, had to use them outside, no pictures inside of the Purple Palace. If you wanted to smoke, you had to walk across the street. He didn't want any smoke around there. He didn't want any meat on the premises. All the meals that were served were vegetarian. And the uh, Graceland organization that runs, of course, the Elvis estate and Memphis, Tennessee, they were given by Prince's family, they were given the job to take Paisley Park and turn it into a profitable uh, business in uh, after his crossing over. I uh, don't believe that Prince is dead, just like a lot of Elvis fans don't believe he's dead. Uh, I believe that he's just crossed over to another plane, and his music is alive and well in all of us, so that means he's still alive in my mind. So we uh, get there, no no phones, uh, no no word out, and it was it was kind of it was odd doing that at first because we're so used to being connected to the outside world, but once you got in there, it was kind of soothing. And you're left to your own, your 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 own uh, mind, and you were able to escape into your own mind, as opposed to escaping into your phone and escaping into the outside world. Uh, so you you were kind of being uh, held at bay emotionally. And so we get in there, and we walk through the atrium, and we see the platinum records and the gold records, and walk by uh, all of the special uh, rooms that have been set up, um, which I will get into and Jesse and I will get into when we talk about the tour later in this episode. A lot of people were just crying as they walked in. <laughs> it was it was really hard. I told myself I was going to be positive. I wanted to walk in and be positive. I wanted this to be um, a uplifting experience for myself not a not one that would bring me down something that would help me heal as opposed to getting me upset getting keeping the emotions inside i was going to let them out and it was very refreshing to get inside and uh Damaris Lewis as many prince fans know she was a member of the new power generation mostly came into uh came into his circle during the uh, Welcome to America tours that he did late in his career and uh, was also a member of New Power Generation. Um, she was hosting and she was very eloquent and gave a great speech to open up the festivities, basically really trying to hit home the fact that you're allowed to feel however you want to feel at Paisley Park, really hitting home the fact that Everybody, especially that first day, that we're all equal going into this. Uh, no, no matter if you are sad about it, you're going to be there and get a hug from somebody else because they understand. If you want to be happy and you want to dance, uh, Prince is going to hear you. He, you walk in to the soundstage and it's a, you know the lights are down. Some some quiet Prince music on, and there's his uh, you know his symbol. A uh, big old lighted symbol on the on the wall, a pie. Symbol's always looking over you, and you're just wow. And when I first walked in, um, 
It's the reason I am doing this intro alone, so I, I can be a little more personal about this. I walked in, I lost my father nine years ago, who was way into just all kinds of music, um, and taught me to be a fan of different styles of music. Uh, so I kind of just sat there and uh, said, said a little... Uh, I, I closed my eyes and I, I, I spoke to Prince. I, I, I'm not, I won't lie to you. And I was just like, hey, man, thanks for inviting me into your home. And we're going to celebrate you. And thank you for all the music. And thank you for coming into my life when I was 15 years old. And thank you for giving me Purple Rain. And thanking him for putting the revolution on this earth. And the new power generation. And the family and the time and every other band that he created, uh, you know, the list is pretty, pretty lengthy and just, uh, you know, let's have a day, let's have a good weekend. And I feel your presence here. And I definitely want, uh, to share this with you and thanked him. And it put me at a lot of peace. I got to tell you, and it rode me through the entire weekend, just knowing, okay, you know, thanks to uh, Damaris's words, and every morning she would come in, and uh, every day before we left, her being the host, would uh, say something encouraging, say, uh, remind us to uh, absorb everything, to uh, keep uh, learning and then teaching and then repeating that process and getting Prince out into the world, his message. And, and you'll hear a lot more as uh, we go through day to day. Uh, Jesse and I are going to take you through everything, uh, all four days, everything from our emotional, very emotional night with the revolution. And there, uh, I still can't believe I got to see them reform. And perform on the stage at Paisley Park. It's still, it, it, it's it, it it it's still otherworldly. Like I did not see it. Like I'm going to wake up and it didn't happen. Tons and tons of panels with just amazing speakers. Uh, a few ripples uh, in the in the water. Uh, a few things that did not compute. We'll get into all that. So uh, strap in with your purple seatbelt. And get ready for the purple ride. Uh, you're about to hear our breakdown of Prince Celebration 2017. Hey everyone. So uh, it's uh, Greg here. We are uh, here at the lovely Prairie Tap House. And we are podcasting from the Prairie Tap House in Eden Prairie, which has kind of been uh, Jesse and my uh, headquarters of food and libation they're, they're pretty much our sponsor at this point so if you are in Eden Prairie or down near Paisley Park definitely stay at the Best Western Eden Prairie Inn cheap rates, clean rooms Jesse, how was your room? Fantastic, yeah, I was very pleased Bigger than mine Bigger than yours <laughs> Bigger than mine, damn it, and I put mine first You had room envy Oh, I totally had room envy, man I walk into his room and I'm like, oh, oh, okay uh, who, who's Prince and who's Jerome now? Okay, <laughs> damn, he's got the suite and I've got the, you know, the the valet quarters. Um, 
So, I mean, we're just going to dive right into it. As I said, uh, um, if I didn't say so in my intro, we're kind of recording this in chaos. We recorded night uh, number two with the revolution because it was just, that that was the high of the entire... It was, it was a peak. ...weekend for everybody. Uh, that was the emotional release night for most people, just to see them back together, especially... Uh, for me personally, and we got into it there. But let's go back to day one, where we just arrived, and we got on the bus, and we got on these nice coaches, and all of a sudden, uh, we show up, and I already uh, talked about how uh, Damaris, she gave a great, inspiring intro, and uh, then I was wondering what your take on, I saved for you your Damaris? take. I, I, yeah. She was really, really good. I, I thought she was a decent choice to represent you know, what was going on for the days, but Towards the end, I think she got a little esoteric for people. Mm-hmm. Really? You know what I mean? In what way? Um, just, you know, the way she would talk about... Uh, how do I explain this? Like platitudes that she would say. Right. You know, that were kind of just um, like greeting card language. A little bit too you know much. Talking in, about? A little bit too much inspirational speaker. Exactly. A little bit Joel Osteen and yeah. not enough heart in it. Exactly. No, yeah, not grounded. Yeah, yeah. I know there was heart in it. I don't mean that. To I think that's I mean, true. Yeah. I mean, I know it was heartfelt, but yeah, it was uh, kind of getting a little repetitive. But I, I, I think she was a good through line through the entire weekend. And then we had the uh, head of uh, the guy from Graceland that's here. And what were, it, your first impression of him was strange because. Well, he didn't introduce himself, so we didn't know who this guy was. Right, yeah. Who was kind of emceeing, but uh, yeah. he, he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he really um, made us feel welcomed. Yeah. You could tell uh, stress on his face the entire time. Right. He really wanted to get it right. And uh, he introduced uh, the fact that they're going to do another weekend already. They already named the dates uh, about the same time uh, around the... Uh, uh, crossover anniversary date of Prince again. I don't know. They said there's going to be a system where you, like yeah, on a cruise ship, you pay a deposit and then you make you can make payments over time, and yeah. that the people that came first will get to return. So, typical good convention practices with that. So, I, I, as I already told you, Jesse, I'm not putting down dollar one until I find out exactly. Who yeah, I'd like to wait to see what be. the lineup is before I make a choice. Yeah. So we don't get if it's going to be repetitive. I might wait for a year that they get something special. That they definitely have Sheila E or somebody. Yeah, something that I, would I, really draw you in. Yeah. I, I don't know if they didn't have somebody that was that was going to draw you in like that. I don't know that I would need to do it because um, I needed to come this year to grieve, and I, I don't know if I'd have to do that again next year. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, this was more about coming here to celebrate with everybody for the first time, kind of all together, morning. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I already said in my intro, it went from, I thought I, I went in trying to have my head, head held high, and had some emotion in the beginning, some 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 sorrow. But after Revolution Night, it was like, okay, right, that was they, done. The, yeah. the, it's released. Right, I can I can I can smile, and um, we'll get to the last day, which was kind of a awkward ending. But I digress. Let's get into every day started with a wonderful film. Uh, 
a, a recording of a performance and the uh, first one uh, with a Third Eye Girl in Amsterdam I think was just the most fitting beginning and he tells the story at the end of it it was chosen where he's like um, y'all have to come to my house right. and uh, does anyone know how to cook <laughs> and uh, no, nobody at Paisley Park is crazy well Maybe one crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really, really good choice. They they were smart about. It. They were very thoughtful about what they showed each day, um, because he talks in the middle of his concert. He's talking about inviting people to Paisley Park and mm-hmm. how um, how to act in his house, you know, and, and yeah. how to share, and, yeah. and it's all about love. And that that kind of set the tone for everybody. That was the introduction for everybody arriving. Wow. Yeah. Very cool idea. Yeah. You know, I was going to go in order of the day, but let's just, since we're on the subject of those, day two, we already described on day two, was uh, was that fantastic uh, uh, him and the piano. Oh, right. Piece. Yes, that's right. So we already talked about that. But then there was day three, which was, which strangely would have been perfect for Revolution Day. Yeah, I thought it was odd that they made it the other day. But they threw it on the third, and it was the final day... A final day of the tour of the Purple uh, Rain tour of the Purple Rain tour in Miami right fittingly the same place where he did his famous Super Bowl the greatest Super Bowl performance of all time yeah same stadium oh that hit me I go wait yeah that didn't occur to he's me had some you just damn, said that he's yeah. had some damn good luck in Miami I'm like, <laughs> he knows his places yeah. he has his places that where where you can see he feeds off the fans and he knows they understand him and that was it was just so cool to watch uh Wendy and Lisa in the thickest hair yeah, <laughs> ever. <laughs> the most aquanetted hair flopping around the ever. Thickest eighties hair you've ever seen. But that was uh, I, I wore out my VHS tape of Prince of the Revolution live like it was going out of style. So I pretty much knew that set. You were very familiar with heart. the show, yeah. But it was just so much fun though. It was the final day, and yeah. uh, get to see him just prime. Jesse, you made a good observation about the footage talking about how it was Prince not having to just be nasty anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, it, those those shows were kind of um, very carefully choreographed, and they were structured so that, you know, the uh, it, he could share it with the widest audience. So it was, yeah. It, it was um, more um, PG-rated than his previous tour. Yeah. Um, I, w- I also wanted to say that this is a... Um, a concert that's been kind of heavily bootlegged. It's been widely circulated, so I'd, I'd listened to it for years and years, but never had seen the uh, the live footage. So it was really a treat for me uh-huh. to see what was going on on stage. You know, after listening to it all those years, there's a moment where uh, he does a solo on it, or there's a solo on a piano um, during "Let's Go Crazy." That I always assumed Prince was playing, and it turns out it wasn't him at all. It was probably Matt Finker and Lisa Coleman. Yeah, he was running across the top he of was, the stage. Yeah, he was leaping around. <laughs> But on the, on the last day, uh, we had our, our goodbye clip, which I, I was actually hoping they'd have something maybe later, maybe some new Power Generation stuff, something around Sign of the Times. But mm. they went on the nude tour mm-hmm. and gave us uh, uh, Jesse's favorite part of Prince's career. I'm just totally Not. kidding. <laughs> no, that wasn't my favorite. Of all four days, I think that had to be the least favorite one. Just because I Something about that nude tour just didn't hit me. They tried to do a stripped-down tour. Yeah. And to make up for the fact that they didn't have all the bells and whistles, they choreographed the hell out of it. So it was just yeah. too much. 
too yeah. much non-spontaneity. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you there. It was a, it was very mechanical. Uh huh. Free, but limited. If you he had hit certain marks at certain times. And, yeah. You know, it, it just kind of fell flat to me. I just didn't yeah. appreciate it. The whole yeah. period was tough for me. I didn't like the great graffiti bridge album either. I thought it was kind of um, just a hodgepodge of things that didn't make sense together. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's too many human beings that like the Graffiti Bridge movie or <laughs> album, but the reason I like, I actually got a kick out of the clip, is I, I actually enjoyed his look then with the uh, sideburns, uh, big sideburns and the hair, because I was a huge fan of the movie Batman, and just, I right, like the Batman right. album. I think there's some hidden gems on that album, Sure, and I was like... Oh, good! I get to see him. He starts off with the future, and I'm like, "This is great! I get to see him perform the future. This is fun." Yeah, I can see you really because he never br- he never brought that tour to America, and we were yeah. uh, he got so burned by Love Sexy and the unions here in America, and lost money on the tour, which our artists, of course, shouldn't do. He uh, then decided he was going to take most of his tours overseas, and he didn't come back here for like two, three years. We missed him for seven yeah. times, and um, I don't think he came back until the seven album, correct? Was it? Did he come here for Diamonds and Pearls? Or oh no, he did. He, sorry, I, uh, yeah, he I actually have, saw yeah. Diamonds and Pearls. You did, so, okay. Yes, it was Diamonds and Pearls. I saw Diamonds and Pearls and Seven. Yeah, but he focused on inter- uh, international tours for yeah. the longest time. Yeah, I saw di- I saw both both Diamonds and Pearls and, yeah. uh, and the uh, uh, Seven Symbol tour at uh, the Chicago Theater, which both of them. Such a great venue to see him in. Yeah. Um, well, any clip of him performing is exciting, so it's, it was a treat anyway. But the um, the problem that I had with it is that that um, opening uh, rhythm section that they had going, the, the hand clappy thing, that, yeah, from Batman mm-hmm. or from the um, the future, plays for about twenty minutes. Yeah. And there's four different songs that use the exact same backing track, mm-hmm. and so it really gets monotonous. Uh huh. That's yeah. It which just being, kills which it for being me. a kid of the '80s, I actually enjoyed. It. <laughs> I was That's actually funny. grooving to that. I probably was shaking our whole uh, aisle. Well, had you keeping, ever seen that clip before? To it. No, ah. no. Well, there you go. That's why it was special for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a big bootleg. I haven't been a big bootleg collector like you have. Uh-huh. And I actually, I mean, that's why I wanted uh, Jesse on the podcast here was. He's a historian. He's going to tell you all about his past on uh, our day two wrap-up. But uh, big collector. Um, why, why, why don't you mention really quick, that I don't think we mentioned it, you got to kind of meet one of your uh, one of your uh, idols, uh, a great yeah, researcher in Prince history. By chance, somebody that's staying at our same hotel um, came over from Sweden. We met them in the parking lot. They, were, they needed a ride over to the shuttle. <clears throat> and... Uh, we got to talking, and I, I thought, well, this guy's from Sweden. He must know of... There's this sort of famous um, fan magazine called Uptown that um, was published out of Sweden. And I thought, okay, well, this guy's from Sweden. He's got to know about this magazine. Turns out that he was one of the original researchers for that publication. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet the guy that, had, that kept me interested in, in, Prince, mm-hmm. in the Prince world for years. What was his name? Patrick Slimane. Yeah. And so he was... He's pretty notorious for being a big uh, holder of Prince information, in fact. And he did a lot of research for not just that magazine, but also a publication called A Documentary, Prince, A Documentary, which was put out in, like, 19, either 89 or 90. It's one of the earliest um, documents of Prince's whole career. 
um, it covered his career from the beginning to that to that point to the, mm-hmm. to the 90s and it was the only um, material you could find out there uh, on Prince there's so little of the um, the facts of his career like where he recorded things and mm-hmm. you know what, what studios were used and stuff so that, that the, for me being a recording engineer later that, that made it really special to have that guy yeah. you know in the backseat just to pick his brain you know? and, he, and he found the perfect partner his girlfriend yeah was uh, a uh, very thorough uh, journaler that's right she yeah. said she keeps these journals that, that everything like she took it taking notes of every panel that yeah that was, she was like his stenographer for the whole the yeah celebration. I mean what a perfect couple <laughs> Prince they're bringing, so sweet too. Prince bringing people together yeah mm-hmm. thank you I think you both are, you know, adding adding to our weekend. That was one yeah. of the beautiful things about this weekend was meeting so many different, so many different people, especially at bunkers, yeah. uh, going uh, going to those shows. Let's talk about the panels as a whole. So they had the new Power Generation with a uh, Levi Levi Caesar, and they had Tony, and they Mostly. had Damon Dixon. Damon, yeah. What there, there were. Great things about the panels and the fact that there were these fantastic stories, and except for one unfortunate panel, they had people from the current that were DJs and that were very knowledgeable right. about the people that they were interviewing. Yeah. So I felt bad for them because they had to probably tell the same stories two or three times because they had us on the different circuits, and then they had us broken up into groups. And there was a very good article published in the Star Tribune described it I, I I like the way he put it it was um, like being on a cruise ship mm. how they have five things every hour you, you can That's go right. play trivia you can go but staggered shuffleboard. so everything every presentation they had happened twice per day yeah so I felt bad for the interviewers as well as the panel people to keep it fresh right and you've told you've, not only have they told these stories many times in interviews now they're telling them again <laughs> twice in one day yeah trying to keep it fresh trying to keep it moving <laughs> Tony told a great story about uh, the get off video and uh, as everybody knows in the get off video Prince has his famous assless uh, yellow jumpsuit <laughs> <laughs> and he had to drop down, and he's like, "I don't want to drop down. I don't want to look at Prince's. I don't want to look at my man Prince's ass. Yeah. I, I'm good. I'm real good." But he's part. He's like, "Drop, drop." And Tony <laughs> says that if you watch the um, performance, this was the MTV Music Awards. Yes. If you watch the performance, Damon very gingerly moves away from Prince. Really? So that he doesn't <laughs> get his face in his butt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he also told the story about him getting the job um, for, uh, they they choreographed a bunch of numbers of Purple Rain that never made it into the movie. Yeah, that was interesting. I'd never heard that story before. Yeah, they said they were in the hallway outside the bathroom up there. And, uh, in First Avenue. In First Avenue by the restrooms. And, and they, they were popping and locking. They were already kind of a dance stuff. troupe of their own. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they were popping and locking, all that 80s stuff. And then... Uh, I guess Prince had seen it. Yeah, he, pretty, he, he saw when there. he was coming out of the restroom. Right. And he, he gave him a, he's like, hey. You so know. he sent his manager over to okay. tell them, hey, we, we want you to be in this. He gave him a cassette and said, I need. Um, there were seven songs on that cassette. Yeah. And they worked out routines to every one of Overnight. them. Overnight. 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 <laughs> he's like, so we went over to my mom's place and cleared out the living room and that was it. <laughs> I And 
that leads into a fact of every person that's basically made it um, with him has the same kind of story. It's similar, yeah. A lot of people had to um, learn his material in a matter of hours or a week. Mm-hmm. And he expected a lot out of his uh, collaborators. Well, as you said yesterday, it's a te- it was a test. Yeah, like a test. It was a, it was a okay, I have my faith in okay. you. So let's see how loyal you are if you're not going to just show up with some excuse. Right. Let's it was see, like, and let's see if you're able to work under those conditions because... Yeah, he would challenge them. Yeah, because yeah. as Levi tells the story of when they would do changes, do sound check, and he's like, Prince would show up to check out the set and everything at like 8, 9 in the morning at the beginning of the day. Not like most artists that show up a few hours before, yeah. they run a few songs at sound check, okay... Sounds good. Let's go do it. He was so hands-on with every aspect of his of his performances. Yeah, certainly was. So he'd say he he'd have like two uh, like a whole ton of changes for that night. Right. Levi, like, oh, Levi huh? described that it would be like three hours of changes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the rehearsal. And what was the? And it would show, have to be done for that night. What was the show? He said they were recording. Well, I think that he was talking about maybe the Dortmund gig I'm not sure but mm-hmm. um, it was going to be videotaped that yes. evening so they yeah. were literally making history mm-hmm. and uh, that was the challenge was to make to, to um, remember the changes that had been made that afternoon and Levi came back and do it live yeah I came back to him and said hey you know we're recording this live so we making mistakes going to be preserved like why don't we just do it the way we've been doing it and we know it and that's when he said well we wouldn't be making history there then Levi <laughs> And he's like, damn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's go through some of the panels. I mean, we got, we, we don't need to go into everything. I mean, we, what was good was is they good had one. a great cross-section. I mean, we got, to, there was a Prince Fashion one, uh, Kim Berry. Kim Berry, the hairdresser. Did his hair. He did his hair for yeah. decades. Uh, Stasia. Yeah, what was her last name? Stasia, who does the... Um, who does all of he did a lot of his costumes and uh, posted a really good story on her Facebook page about uh, making the assless the notorious assless right she was with him for that period the diamonds and pearls yeah and I mean they talked about the process and they had uh, Mr. Padilla um, yeah who has Taylor yeah his Taylor in uh, LA longtime Taylor also the girl that was the designer Debbie McGuan, yeah, yeah, she did, did a lot of his uh, drawings. So yeah, it, it was it, it was a good session because the interviewer obviously had spoke to them ahead of time and said describe the process to us. So we basically got two or three case studies and yeah. outfits. Yeah, that was neat to, to, to see that. Yeah, um, to see the process. Yeah, I mean, they even delved back into Prince's interactive history. They called it interactive. And Jesse got all excited because he still owns the uh, CD-ROM. <laughs> of the game that they put out in 1994. <laughs> I was thinking that would be focused just on that game, but really they were talking about um, all his online ventures mm-hmm. over the years. Um, it, was, it was great to see that evolving because he was so ahead of his time. Yeah. He wanted to be, I mean, that's the time of Napster. So he was trying to compete with them and say, no, no, I don't want to have to turn my music over to somebody else and right. get really shitty royalties. I want, I want to... I want it direct to me. And he was always trying to push the boundaries of how his music got dis- distributed. Mm-hmm. You know, even outside of wanting to get out of that contract, he was with Warner Brothers. Right. Um, they did talk a little bit about the interactive CD-ROM. Yeah. And uh, 
and how he was so methodical in how... And how involved he really was. Yeah. My favorite part was they would say, well, can't we just have the interface? Because many people apparently complain that the interface is very clunky. And you had to, like, figure out how you were going to walk from one place in this pretend... This is with his website. Yeah. yeah. In his pretend uh, place to another pretend place in Princess Temple... And pyramid temple and uh, it was very graphics heavy yeah and when you clicked between different pages it would you would click on a, an urn that would blow purple smoke and fill the screen to mm-hmm. fade into another um, area of the, of the website mm-hmm. and it took a long time to go through that so um, and you know how I remember that when he you when he described it I remembered I was in college at the time and this is the days of <laughs> oh this is the days of dial-up, people. There's no broadband. Yeah, a lot so of people he has couldn't this handle it insanely, insanely graphics-heavy program. Yeah. He's thinking we're 10 years in the future where he always is in his head. That's, so yeah, that's another like, example of him being way so, ahead of us. And, 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 so one of the um, designers described, he goes, you know, Prince, we should just have it bring this click on the other building. He goes... Well, when you're walking around Paisley Park and you want to go from Studio A to Studio B, can you just click on a button and be there and teleport? <laughs> no. Well, then we got to make this in real life. You got to walk from so one place to the other. You really wanted to, to be inspired yeah. by his own environment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that whole thing cracked me up. It took funny. me totally into his thought processes. Of, of, but he, he had other thought processes where he probably could teleport. Right. But in that instance, <laughs> no. No, no. In this instance, I want you to experience as if you were walking through my temple. And sure. Yeah. That, I, I found that session. So you had that was a fun, fun sessions, like fun panels like that, but then you had the the um, speakers weren't disappointing because you had Susan Rogers, the, of course... Yeah, this was the um, in-studio panel. In-studio panel. Where um, Susan and a couple of the other engineers that had worked with him more recently... Um, spoke. Unfortunately, it was moderated by someone who didn't, wasn't familiar with them. And I, I'm going to go on the. Uh, I've never met the guy, and as my as many people have told me, if you can't say nothing nice about a person, don't say anything at all. But I will just say, note to the uh, programmers: vet the people and make sure they have a knowledge of who they're going to interview. Hmm. Because he called uh, her uh, Sharon Rogers <laughs> twice. <laughs> During yeah. the panel to which Susan looked over, like, is he talking to me? Because <laughs> my name is Susan Rogers, and he shouldn't. And he, the way he introduced her was he had apparently she engineered Purple Rain. Apparently she. What are you talking about? I just met her today. He comes right out. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, they could have made a better choice there. And only made let her maybe maybe tell like two stories. Yeah, that, that, that panel was too short for my liking, that's Which for sure. hurt everybody. Everybody was, okay, she's been interviewed a ton of times, and she was nice to tell um, yeah. some different stories. What was when the, she does speak, she is incredibly eloquent yes. about Prince and yeah. about the, her work with him. Yeah. She has a great memory. Yeah. Do you remember um, The story? story she told was about the song Tambourine mm-hmm. and how she, uh, her impression of Prince at that time was that he wasn't a great drummer. I, I would take exception to that, but um, com- he, she was comparing he was working, him to Sheila E. He was working with Sheila at the time, and she was an exceptional drummer. Called her a monster. She's a beast. Yes. Um, and so, uh, in accordance with his uh, his nature of com- competition, he wanted to 
create a work that would um, stand up to what something Sheila E would do. So he got in the studio and started working out this, you know, this beat. And, and she said, "Well, that, yeah, years later, she's listening to the the song, thinking." Was that programmed drums or was that live? And she said, well, yeah. It, she looked at old notes and said, yes, it was live. So she was surprised that he was that great. He got that great so quickly. Yeah. It took her eyes, you know. Yeah. And from what I understand, she has been working with Paisley Park on cataloging and sort of organizing the material that's still in the vault and um, preparing it for releases. Yeah. So that's a good thing because she's the most knowledgeable about it. She was there at the time. So every day we had a uh, had a show and we had the morning sessions and you had the afternoon and I felt really bad for the bands that had to perform at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Now at the time who performed on the uh, our second afternoon session the third day. Yeah, third day. Hit it out of the park in the afternoon. Absolutely. I yeah. have a feeling it's because they are used to they play a lot of festivals mm. now. Uh, they play a lot of outdoor festivals, and they're used to just okay. Yeah. They go into their shtick. Morris was on fire. Um, they knew how to bring it for sure. Yeah, I, I I thought the first session with George Clinton fell flat a little bit for some reason. I, yeah. I'm not really familiar with his catalogs as as I should be, but mm-hmm. um, I I don't know. It was a good show, but it just wasn't my favorite of the four days. Yeah, um, he doesn't really perform anymore. It seems like he, he wants to be more of a um, introduce his his team, his his musicians rather than perform himself. I hate to say this, he's at an age where his body probably isn't letting him do much That's more possible than dress too. up, pace the stage, yeah. you know, put his hand over everybody's head and hey, listen to this guy, yeah. listen to this guy. A lot of family members in Yeah. I, I, don't know how many original members are left in the band, if any at all. He couldn't bring it at two in the afternoon. The time certainly did. Yeah. It. After an awkward intro, there were oh, yes. some awkward moments. Yeah, that's right. That intro was very strange. The Photoshop. intro was sort of a montage of mm-hmm. print, Prince clips and images, um, interspersed with recent photos of Morris, uh-huh. and then um, song fragments um, from Let's Go Crazy and then and then the band performs 1999 but doesn't sing it mm-hmm. and I thought that was very strange I just yeah. didn't understand what the I think I, it was obviously they were trying to tribute Prince but I think they shoehorned the Prince tribute into their you into know, their set. own opening it's yeah. possible into yeah. their own opening and just interspersed yeah. the pictures and the music yeah and it came off awkward but once they got cooking, they got cooking. Yes, and I hadn't they, seen them in a while. They've really uh, tightened up their show. I mean, they, they really made it uh, more of a performance than I've seen before. Yeah, they were you know? jamming. And I mean, we had uh, Monty Moore. Yeah. Uh, you had him on keyboards and, yeah. of course, Jellybean on drums. Who are the only original members left. From yeah. That, that but everybody else is still tight. Yes. Everybody else was a... And they've it, been performing enough together now that they gel as a band. Yeah. And especially after um, the Grammy performance, which mm. now seeing them here, either one of two things, either every band except George Clinton, this playing at Paisley Park and playing for Prince is upping everybody's game. It's more inspiring for they, them probably, yeah. They want to play for him as opposed to on the Grammys. I think that was thrown together very quickly. Mm. And I, the Grammy organization likes to... has. For every great performance they arrange, they screw one up. And I think they had them in a... 
and, and it, the, the way it was staged was horrible. Yeah, it was an odd spot. So I, I was blaming the time for a while, going, oh, look at them. And after seeing this performance, I'm more apt to blame the Grammy committee uh-huh. who have screwed up the productions. Yeah, many. <laughs> you've seen some. I've seen some great artists be shoehorned into some. Yeah, they, really overblown stage. For a while, set. they like to pair these disparate artists together and mm-hmm. see what you know comes out of it, and it doesn't yeah. always work. No, no, <laughs> they get some bad arranger. Let's talk about some of the events that happened outside. Uh, I mean, we went and took a we went and took the typical tourist tour. Went and saw Uptown, as we said on day two. Uh, we went and saw a lot of uh, a lot of the sites. We went twice to Electric Fetus. Mm-hmm. Went to see Susanna uh, yeah. Mavoin uh, uh, reveal old art from a project called The Flesh. Yeah, this is um, artwork she did for Prince for the um, an album that was unreleased called Dream Factory. Um, and it turns out that it might have been a, a combination of two projects. Yeah, that's what she was Flesh mentioning, yeah. And the Dream Factory, or maybe they were going to credit the band as The Flesh. Mm-hmm. He was playing with a lot of different ideas back then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting to see what, what was created for that, because for years fans have been wondering mm-hmm. what that album would have looked like mm-hmm. as a release. Yeah, we so this is another piece of that puzzle. Yeah. We got to go to the. We went down to the block party. Mm-hmm. We went down to the block party. I got to finally go to my mecca. Uh, where I've always the second mecca. The first <laughs> mecca was Paisley Park, and the second mecca was to get to go to First Avenue, which Jesse had already been to and seen a band there. And yeah. it was all. We were lucky because the last time you we went, it was really crowded. Yeah, this was years ago in '93, and it was just packed. There was some local band there, but it was they had a big audience. I couldn't even. I mean, I barely could fit into the, the bottom floor. Couldn't go upstairs, so I didn't really get to experience it like I did this time. Yeah, it was. It, it's so wild being if you're a fan and you've made a pilgrimage there before, and it was my first time. And I'm like, wow, that's where Morris and Apollonia sat. That famous <laughs> scene. That's where the dancers were up there. That's where the you and know, where this was. And, and it's keep, all still the same. It's all recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're smart about that. They know yeah, uh, they such know an history. iconic place. Why are you going to ruin something that you can get people like me? To that I, the first thing I said was, I want to see a band perform here. Because the sight lines in the place are sick. You can tell yeah. why he uh, chose that venue. It's a really good room. It's so it's open. It's shaped right for a band. It's Yeah, it's open. Well, at the time, I mean, there was the dancers, the look, the whole... Uh, the, the whole new... His whole clash between, like, you know, rock and new wave. Yeah. And that he was putting wave together. And yeah. And punk. And the way the people... You know, you could, you could pan the place... And get an entire impression at a place like that, as opposed to sure. just a regular concert venue. And so it was just fun going all around there and boogieing on the floor. I got to <laughs> I got to dance to Purple Rain song on the dance floor That's right. on the checkered dance floor. That was pretty. Jesse rad. was getting really amused at my excitement. <laughs> a little a little overexcited, but that's the no Prince no way, man. You got to do it. I was I was immersed in the experience of there was the block party before we went in. And when we got to see a brass, I posted this on my Instagram at Six Degrees of Retro on Instagram. Brass band um, playing. Performance Seven, yeah. an arrangement of Seven, and yeah. another couple tracks. Apparently, I, I read an article Dave Perner of Soul Asylum showed up and played. No kidding. And uh, it was, uh, They had a series of different local acts come in and do and cover Prince songs. Uh, and, then but, they, and then they had the oddest thing, it was so funny, we walked up, you know. 
the white, uh, whiter than white guy up there, yeah. cranking, doing pretty damn good on um, on a few Prince songs, and we're like, who is he? And then like the same band stayed up, and it turns out it was uh, it's it a was, house band called yeah. Doctor Mambo's Combo. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think what they did is they had volunteers or anybody who wanted to sing come up and it looked actually like, like it, it actually looked like I think employees of the venue oh I maybe it was, was. Their, yeah. I think it was their uh, special moment that's funny <laughs> or it was like a karaoke were, or I think that some of them looked like they were DJs because they kept having the DJs from the current come up and talk and it was just you could tell um, I mean last year nobody knew what to do and everybody saw the pictures it was wall to wall people in this mm-hmm. little block plot party area this was about three quarters full yeah. It was nice. You could breathe, get a beer. Yeah, it wasn't different. Stifling. Acts would come up. So, I mean, you just got to... Um, it was just nice pulling up in the... Just pulling up to the lift, up to, mm-hmm. up to First Avenue, and seeing the Prince star, and seeing the stars from all these other bands, and then, you know, getting a picture in front of it. And it just, like, it was... There was the revolution set, and then there was that. Yeah. And that was worth the entire trip to me period sure yeah so it's your favorite period that was fun I will let uh, Jesse take most of this we went and saw Jesse Johnson mm. at Bunkers he played there three nights and we went we, we went on the first night we went the first night which is getting kind of being kind of notorious for being the loosest apparently he gives loose performances yeah just kind jam, of known it's for jam sessions not a right. set right yeah exactly I think you're right um uh, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't. Uh, for a lot of people that we talked to afterwards, it just didn't gel for them. Didn't coalesce. Yeah. Did not coalesce in the fact that he'd get cruising on a song, and then he'd suddenly go over the side and mess around with you know the sound or whatever loop he drum loop he was going to play or whatever. Yeah, and lots of starts and stops, and really only completed maybe three or four actual songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Bunkers um, is just an interesting venue, period. Yeah. And the fact that I grew up in a lot of the, like, inner city clubs in Chicago, and you have these kind of, you know, back alley places. Yeah, this is and more I, like a roadhouse. It's a roadhouse. It's a legit joint, but it, it's definitely, um, they were taking, you definitely know that they, well, first of all, they build the doors opening at 6 Right, so they get you to there nice and early. We get our they don't tell you when the act goes on. Yeah, and then they tell you, oh, by the way, Jesse, the opening act goes on at 9.30. Jesse's going on at 11.30. Oh, that's good. I'll just sit here for six hours. And right, we're just kind of stuck there. Yeah, um, drinking. And getting trashed, yeah. Yeah, but um, it was, it was, it was... He was good when he'd get on some runs. Exactly. He shredded when he was on guitar. And that, I got to see I him. I was impressed. I got to see him, and I posted the video of uh, I'm Gonna Be Your Man. Uh-huh. I was very happy to see that. Uh-huh. Even with the guy that was holding up their album cover in front of him <laughs> so nobody else could see. There were, there were many excited people. I agree yeah, yeah. to let your free flag fly, I understand. But and it got I, packed. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to yell at the guy. Yes, don't worry. He knows which album it's from. So <laughs> He's we, seen it before. Yeah, he, he, he knows that album. He's very familiar. He also covered a couple Prince songs, which yes. is nice to see. Yeah, we do a left, little talking about Prince. Yeah, we left during Purple Rain, and it just got too late, and he was the the, 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 the spaces were getting a little bit too yeah. long in the set. He told a great story about Prince doing laundry, 
which was fantastic. He's like, everybody wants to know the prints I know. Interviews and stuff. He goes, here's the prints I know. He goes, one time I walk in and we're living together. And he, uh, he's got his laundry and it's all just a ball. He puts it in the washer and it's all on a big ball. And the whites got, with the colors and with the... Yeah, he goes, the whites... It didn't matter what red, fabric it was. Everything together. <laughs> and then it's all... It comes out and he, it's all sticky. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. And he's trying to like straighten it out. He's like, what kind of detergent do you use? He goes, oh, I use dish, dish, dish soap. <laughs> I just put it in there. It's the same thing, right? It's all soap. And he's like, Prince doesn't know how to do normal. He has no knowledge of the normal. He doesn't know normal. Yeah. Doesn't know normal everyday things. And uh, <laughs> yeah, finished it off with. Well, what did you put in the dishwasher? And he's like, oh, you know, the dish soap. And he goes, I look in the dish. He opens up the dishwasher, and all the pots were turned right side up. And he's like, you ain't going to clean the pots with the turn. Right? So I'm like, why not? They're all in there in the same Same plane. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was dealing on such a high plane, like normal everyday crap like that was... Yeah, it's beneath it. Yeah. And actually it was. There are some people like that where it's like, that's why you make enough money to get people to do that stuff for you. And that way you can sit in the studio for... You know, there you go. Yeah, all, all all day and all night. You know, doing what you need to do. I think we pretty much covered everything now, except for so the final night we come on, and we get to finally go on the tour. Yeah, which I think is probably the only real criticism I have of the whole experience is that the tours they need to be tightened up. They need to figure that one out. They, they need to. They were us, rushed for one. Yeah, they. Because of the volume of people, they shoved us through. And yeah, I would have to say my biggest criticism of the tour, as I agree with you, is it felt super rushed. Yeah. You, they, they turn. They, they have these theme rooms. And then you can see his office and uh, look in. And as you had a criticism, you well, that. They, they took a lot of the um, office suites that are down a long hallway. These were very small offices. Um, and turn them into separate eras of his career or albums, basically theming. Yeah. And you have to they they took off the doors and put a velvet rope across them, and you have to peer in to see all the the um, materials that are being exhibited, like um, costumes and uh, instruments, things like that. And there's also a, a plaque in each room explaining you know, what what you're looking at, but the plaques are set so far back yes. into the room that you can't read them. And most of your fans are going to be our age, over 40. Right, yeah. Um, got those bifocals. They only work so far, man. That's just impractical. <laughs> yeah. It is. I agree. I, think, I, I mean, they don't want you to spend much time. And that's kind of crappy. That yeah. You want, you want to sit there and kind of marinate on each room and they go, we're, we're going to give you five minutes to cover five rooms. And then rush you into the next space. Room, another space, another space. And then here's his, and the office is last. I advise anybody go to the office first because it's kind of the most interesting. Yeah. To see, um, and one of it, what's nice and one that went next to one of his guitars, they have a stand that has soft and wet lyrics on it. Right. With his actual notebook. Yeah, that's. I, neat. That I was, was neat like, I was like, damn, that, that, those are him writing the lyrics and his, <laughs> his Prince uh, handwriting. And interesting to see the sort of custom um, furniture that was designed for him. That he's got a circular desk in there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, all small stuff. And very he small. Little, he was a yeah. small guy. <laughs> yeah. Everything was small. Every, everybody goes, man, he really was a small guy, wasn't he? Was every room I walked up to. Yeah. From the suits to every, everything. Every wardrobe piece looked like a child's You costume. see the l- little lunchroom he had that had, like, diner tables for yeah. guests. And he liked to sit in there and just... He'd cruise on over there and watch basketball. Yeah. Every every uh, night. So you go from the theme rooms, and then you hit. Uh, stu- you go through and see his awards, and then there's Studio C, where. Um, studio A. Sorry. Which is the largest studio in well, no, the building? Well, no. Before that, you hit Studio C, which is the Purple Rain room. Oh, it was studio, a dance studio. Yeah, it was the dance, dance studio, and studio. They described it as Studio C. That's what it was known as, and that's where I, in one of the sessions, Third Eye Girl. Yeah. Um, she. Uh, who was that? That was on that panel. That was Donna Grandis. Yeah, she described that was basically where they recorded. Right. In all in one small, room. In in one room in this one area, and they, were, and they had to worry about bleed through on each other's mics. Right. And he would basically leave them. And say, okay, you got to come up with this in this amount of time, and I'll be back. Right, you give them a song to record, and they yeah. just expected them to do it. And they'd be nervous as shit because they didn't want to be the. If they bled over into each other's mics, they'd listen to be like, damn, we got to do it again. If somebody made a mistake, they'd <laughs> yeah. have to start from scratch. Yes. Yeah, because they were recording it completely live. Yeah. So uh, it was neat seeing that room, but. Again, you got the Purple Rain motorcycle. Uh, obviously, uh, they have a Purple Rain motorcycle at First Avenue, so obviously there are multiple motorcycles used. Oh, yeah. As there are on all movies, multiple vehicles. But then you had the little piano from the tour and outfits. So, I mean, I dug that room. But the way it's set up, all of this, is very touristy. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it afterward, before we talk about the final studio, is it's taken... You said the way it's presented, you were very, you made a very astute yeah, observation well, about that. Well, I just want to I also want to say that it isn't guided very well. I mean, they they really didn't tell a story; they just kind of threw you from room to room. Yep. And the way they talked about him, it's almost as if Prince has been gone for decades. Mm-hmm. That's that seems like the tone they're taking. Mm-hmm. And it was just a year ago, and yeah. you know the way they're holding instruments with white gloves now, and it's like. It's like, like these are relics, but you know, this was a vital recording studio just a year ago. Yeah, I, so and just, that, that was tough for me to. And we had a good conversation about that right after that, where I said basically you are dealing with the Graceland people, and having been down there, that's the way they treat everything. Right. They have this reverence, and they want you to have this reverence, and basically, um, you know. And you made a good point that you know this is intended to be a tour that'll last for. For decades itself, so, yeah, so in the future setting, it will be. Yeah, they're setting it up uh, that way, and we'll backtrack to the MPG set because at the end of the night, well, let's talk about. I will. Let's end on that. But going into the studio, you're only given like about maybe two, three minutes in the studio, even less. Yeah, to walk around to see the stuff. I kept touching surfaces because I was like, I was being total, I was like, he's been here, he's touched these surfaces. (laughs) You were trying to absorb him? I was. I was like, he has recorded amazing albums in here. And I just kind of sat there quiet. And what sucks is they shove you in there with a whole ton of people. Yeah. So, especially being on as part of this celebration, you were shoved in there with like 20 people. So you can't hear yourself think. I honestly wanted to sit there yeah, the, the, my belief system just meditate for a minute 
and just this is Prince, this was his area, this is where he created genius. And really take it in. And suck it in, but you can't. No. Because you're shoved in, and it's like, by the time you look at everything, it's like, okay, we're going to take you out, and we thought we were getting the VIP tour, which went to another studio. Nope. Right out to the lunchroom. Yeah, as soon as you're done in that space, in that beautiful recording space, you're headed towards the door, and then you're outside. And there's no conclusion to the tour, there's no wrap-up, it's just... There's, you're done. No, and, 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 and you know the, they they give you a little bit at the beginning. You know these were the albums that recorded here. Yeah, they do a listing of the albums that were recorded, yeah. but no no real meat or facts about what it was like to record there yeah. or what kind of equipment they used. You can tell these were hired guides given a given a right. a um, little booklet of information, and this is the chunk you're going to spit out. And they're not musicians; they're not people that used to work there. Mm-hmm. So they, I asked the girl, you know, what kind of console was in the, the control room, and she. She did know it, but she was very proud of herself for saying this is an SSL console. Yeah. That was one fact that they'd given her yeah. that she could <laughs> reveal. The, um, so, for the diehard fan, I think the tour, it's nice to be in there, but... It's nice to be able to I see it. I don't know if on the VIP tours they give you more time. I think if you maybe. pay the premium, maybe they should give you more time and give you a little bit of time to reflect on what's in there. Yeah. Uh, like standing in the atrium, you know, and everybody looks up at the urn and they describe it, you know, late and the guy's trying to be, you know, consoling and yeah. it's kind of an awkward place it, to have it. It is an awkward place to have it and it was an awkward moment as well. It kind of starts the tour off on a if anything, a note. if yeah. anything, the note would be, don't start in the atrium. Start in the studio. Work your way Maybe back, do it backwards, yeah. End at the atrium and say, you know, this is where you entered. Here's the urn. Now you can take a few moments, say a prayer, do whatever you there need you go. to do, and make that, your peace. That could be a good conclusion and to the story. It yeah. was what I instantly thought when we were pushed out to the lunch. I go, they need to reverse this thing and have you end on this moment. Yeah. And one of the complaints that, first of all, we need to be Q&As. Mm. Yes, panels. I agree. More, more audience participation with these yeah, panels, I think. More definite Q&As. Well, making it more... Um, they need to do, I think, something more like this and more affordable for the casual fan mm. that you're going to build on instead of just pushing people through on these tours. Mm-hmm. And getting just a piece, because that's the only way you're going to build this. Because yeah. you're only going to get people to come back for five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. I can't wait to see the reviews of what you got. Except apparently, it was a separate VIP tent, and we, when we went to go get a drink of water, noticed there was a panel that we didn't get to get go to. Right, there are other panels there's, that were specifically for the VIP. There, it was um, it was David Z. David Z. And it was an instant like, whoa, whoa. We didn't get to hear David Z talk? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, that was huge. There was another one with Steve Park, too. Did you know yeah. That? And I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, so you got one thing for one price point. And I'm just like, what's your... Really, you're going to charge $500 more for better seating, maybe a little bit better food? Yeah, they and had to give them something. See, but... And getting to see the... I know on the VIP tour, you get to see the additional studio space. Yeah. But to me... You need to lower that VIP price. Yeah. Because double. It's not worth double. That's what, what I what think. I saw yeah. to the naked eye. Yeah. It's, it was just... They, they need to... If they expect people to come back every year, 
I mean, I mean, I know there's Prince fans that are that are willing to shuck out that kind of money left and right, and the premium fan, the diehard, are willing to do that. But if you're going to really sell this thing beyond you know, shoving people through and making it just a tourist attraction, yeah, let's get into the end of it. So, New Power Generation puts on a killer set. They were really good. The they final were really night. tight. Yes. There were about 20, 20 members. 20 up members there. up on stage. Yeah. Yeah. From mostly from the era of, of Diamonds and Pearls. Yes. And, um, the Act Two and One uh, tours. They played uh, a lot of Sign of the Times songs. They did actually. Yeah. Yeah. They put they dug deep in some weird cuts like um, yeah. Arrogance from the Symbol album, things like that. I got to see Billy Jack Bitch get played. Yeah. Live. So that was nice. <laughs> yep. And they launched into that. I said okay. They're, 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 they're giving us something besides. They the, did a really good set. It was interesting. Um, really tight band. In tight. Uh, yeah. Lots of really good performances. Uh, you had MPG perform, and then uh, for the last two songs, you had Third Eye Girl come out. Two of the members of Third Eye Girl. Right. And uh, all of a sudden, then you know, they start this graphic of Purple Rain. In the background, and um, uh, Shelby J and Liv Warfield come out and start getting everybody waving their hands. Right. And they got people doing it for about a minute, but then everybody's like, "Okay, what's going to happen?" And all of a sudden, you got to play "Sing Along with Prince." This apparition, as right. I was kind of calling it in my head, comes up on the screen. Now I've seen they do this with Elvis at. Graceland. I didn't know that. Yeah. You get to the end of this whole performance, and he does his famous end with the trilogy, "Glory, Glory, Hallelujah," and huh. you and everybody's like, you know. Then you look around the room, and I, when I took my mother, you know, losing her mind. Really? Yeah. I mean, when I when Prince died, and when Bowie died the same year, my mother, I used to be up her butt all the time. Like, Why are you going so crazy about Elvis? Blah blah blah. <laughs> and finally, I I. I now you know. I said, Mom, I'm really sorry I was a little crap to you right. when I was young. She goes, you didn't understand. I know you didn't understand. She goes, now I, I said, now I do. When you lose that heart, think of a piece of your youth and how much it means to you. Absolutely. So yeah. it was, all of a sudden you see this apparition of him appear, and they had recording of him singing. Yeah, this was footage from probably the Welcome to America tour yes. or something. Yeah, because it, it was that extended teasing, 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 teasing with three endings, and I ain't going home yet, man. Yeah. I'm not done with you yet. You yeah. Gotta, you gotta sing it for me. So you, you, they're really milking, 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 trying to milk the emotions. Yes. And I, the girl next to me is crying. There were some people that were sitting, they couldn't There were some it. people that got emotional about it, yeah. But I had already passed my revolution phase, so I right. was in a jubilant mood. We had expunged that, so this was more celebratory to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, me too. But you didn't get everybody waving their hands up. Yeah. When for the after, this was the evening again. The afternoon, people had come off the bus and said, "Get your Kleenex ready. This is going to be really rough." Yeah. And I, thought, oh, and I think the band was expecting that same reaction mm-hmm. to, to elicit that same reaction. Yeah. And it looked like they weren't getting it what they didn't wanted. Quite, yeah. Yeah. And because our um, our groups had been staggered and we yeah. experienced the revolutions. Um, did, Transcendent set that they did, which sometimes it shows in April, right? Which they didn't get in the afternoon. In the so afternoon, yeah, folks didn't get that. We had our, we had our, uh, our, our moment. catharsis. We already had our moment, so 
this, it's like, well, it is, it's Prince, but it isn't Prince. Yeah. And it was kind of strange, and I've seen many articles that described it that way. They're like, it was good, but it was strange. Yeah. It was odd. And it takes me back to your comment of, you know, Prince just crossed over recently. Yeah. To have him come back like that, you know, Elvis... By the time they had gotten Graceland to that point, they'd been probably gone right. at least a few decades. They didn't run the risk of having it too soon. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, okay, okay, we know all this is spirit still here with us, but, you know. Here's a clip. <laughs> yeah, whereas this was, whoa, 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 you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe to me, his much. spirit's still in the building. Yeah. We don't, you know, this was, it was, kind of, it was almost kind of macabre. Uh-huh. So... I just had kind of a mixed reaction to it. Well, and plus, the very end of the concert, they all got up on stage and did their bows. And then the lights went it. up, yeah, and they walked it. off, and nobody said a word. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't yeah. a, a wrap-up. You know, the, the guy that runs the, the place wasn't there or something. Yeah, yeah, know. the Graceland guy wasn't there, and yeah. nobody said, hey, thank you for coming, and good night. Yeah. yeah, it was. So everybody thought, and until the house music came up, we were all just kind of sitting there going, okay. Now what? Yeah, what? <laughs> What are you going to produce for us next? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the that was the weekend. I mean, yeah. do you want to give a wrap up on? Well, I I mean, overall, I, it, it was a wonderful experience. It was a, a necessary pilgrimage and a privilege to be there. Really, yeah, I agree. I feel the same way. I have a com- I had a feeling of. Well, how are they going to handle this going in? And I think they hand, I think they treated him with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the articles have said one thing that I kind of agree with. Um, you go, went downtown, and you went to the dance party, and everybody was just like jamming on the music and digging it. And if they heard a song that they reacted to, they did. But um, a lot of people were comparing our celebration thing to more of a button-down funeral really? thing. Which I, I think it's a valid argument. Hmm. It was always kind of somber. You'd walk in, you'd get the clip and the blah blah blah, and it was just, it was it was very much like we were going to church. Huh. We were going to Prince's church every day. It was, and yeah. by the, thir- the second or third day, that's how I felt. I'm like getting on the bus to church, and then my print, I mean, you know I'm going I'm going to worship, you know. And well, especially with the things that Damaris would say yeah, to introduce yeah. the day, it would get yeah. you into this whole you know like cycle. Yeah. And I think that I think they did that on purpose. I think that's how they're trying to build, um, build, um, the narrative. you know, his, his legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very calculated and, I mean, I didn't hear one conversation about anything controversial, even inside conversation with people. No. Nobody's talking about how they die, this and that. Right, that's true. There was, I didn't hear one conversation like that the whole time. It was, people were hey, very you respectful. going to bunkers? Hey, you going to do this? What are you going to do tonight? It was this continuous party, party yeah. to us, which is what I took away from it. I was like, it was like it was this cleansing party to me of emotion and fun, and I want to thank the organizers for putting it on. Yes. Um, I want to, you know... Um, you know, give a shout out to all the people that you know uh, attended and, and treated it with that respect, took care of us so well. Yeah, and the, all the all the people that we met, thank you, and uh, we hope you like this. Uh, we hope you like this uh, kind of our take on uh, 
our weekend, and this is the way we wanted to document it because we couldn't take any damn pictures inside. <laughs> Special mention to Steve Park for putting pictures, being getting to be our eyes. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Steve. so much. You have the. You are the only one that I know of that has, maybe there, I'm sure there are a few other people that had access. It was so funny when they had two rows of media that were reserved in the front. I go, where where are these people? Oh, did they have signs that said Yeah, it said two rows of media. Where's these media people? <laughs> All I know, Steve Parks posted pictures on his damn <laughs> Facebook and he, he very nicely... You know, shared them, yeah. Sharing them with the world. That would Including a photo of a uh, rainbow that appeared over Paisley Park on the day of his... Uh, passing the 21st which apparently you said was the site which happened mm-hmm. the original day he died yeah the last year well let's end on that note thank you Jesse for you're being welcome on the, thanks uh, for having me on the uh, on the podcast um, you can look him up on Facebook at Jesse Haskell I don't know if he's gonna let you be his Facebook friend <laughs> I will consider all offers of course of course <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening